Welcome to the Men at Work podcast, episode number five. I am your host, Travis Streb. Today, we're talking to my good friend, Mike Mascari. Mike's the founder of The Purpose Method. This business is really about Mike's purpose, and it's about helping other people find their purpose so they can really connect to what's important in life and find happiness and meaning. The conversation's great. We talked about Mike's story around discovering his purpose, really powerful stuff. Talked about this concept of, you know, not having to quit your job and move to Mexico to discover your purpose. Uh, We talked about redefining what success looked like, especially for men and, you know, helping us get out of that tendency to get stuck in tasks and duties. We talked about values and how important values are in understanding purpose and connecting to our why. We talked about the purpose declaration, which is an evolving part of purpose that's really important to find. And Mike breaks down some practical ways to develop that for yourself. And we talked about the importance of accountability in purpose. So listen up. It's a great cast and a rich conversation. Let's dive into episode number five. So Mike, I've known you for a while, but my listeners don't know you very well, aside from the purpose method. Um, Maybe you can give us a bit of your backstory on how you came into this work around purpose, uh, because your story is probably the definition of a man finding his purpose in the world. (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah. A while back, about uh, eight, ten years ago, I was working a pretty normal job. I was um, looking though, I was looking for something different and I became a financial advisor. And I became a financial advisor because I wanted some level of control over my business and my income level at the time. And I saw that I wasn't very in control uh, working a corporate job. But what happened is I became a financial advisor and I became quite successful I was living what I like to call the very conventional life. Uh, I went to college, I got a good job, I had bought a home, I had a nice car in the driveway, I got married, I had everything that I thought I wanted, and essentially I found myself more unhappy and miserable than I ever had been before, and I was struggling to find the reason of why. And um, at that point in time, I realized that I needed some answers, and so I started searching for them. I started reading, I started enrolling in personal development seminars, I started um, actually going on week to two week long retreats later down the road uh, in the personal development space trying to uncover the answers. And at that point in time, I realized I was living very unconsciously, that I didn't have any of my own values that I created for myself and that I was really unguided in the way that I moved through my life. I was just chasing money and chasing material possessions aimlessly, hoping that they were gonna make me happy or that they were gonna create meaning in my life. And as I started to create my own values, I um, actually started reading Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles of Success and he talked a lot about having a definiteness of purpose, and I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I started learning about purpose from the deceased Napoleon Hill, and I learned how to direct what was important to me um, toward a specific purpose, and how to show up and be the person that I wanted to be, and my life started to change because I realized there were a lot of incongruencies and that I had to change the way I was living to be the person that I wanted to be. What were some of the incongruencies you were finding in your own life? Well, when I assessed my values and created values for my own life, I realized that the values I was living were just unconsciously accepted by me as societal norm values, pop culture values. As I mentioned, I I valued money and material 
more than anything else. And it brought me no lasting happiness, no inner peace, no sense of actual accomplishment that I was doing something good with my life. And I realized that what I was really looking for was freedom, not things. You know, I envisioned that wealthy or rich people lived a really free life and they got to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. You know, I want to go on a trip to Tahiti, I'm going to book it and I'm going to take off. That's what I was looking for. So I realized I was, at that time, I valued freedom more than anything else. But what I was doing was trading all of my time and money for things that I didn't need, things that brought me no happiness. And I also realized that the career path I was in didn't support me living a free life. I felt um, very controlled by my clients in a sense that I worried about how their portfolios were doing and what the market was doing and, and whether or not the decisions that we made were the best decisions for them. and. What if something happens? I felt really tied down and responsible. Um, it was a huge weight, like it kept me up at night. So I had to make career choice changes as well because I realized that would never support my value of freedom the way that I envisioned it. I was married at the time and I wouldn't say that my marriage was unhappy, but the whole situation around my marriage was very unhappy. Um, my ex's parents, had very rigid, uh, had very rigid and religious beliefs, and they didn't align with who I was and how I lived my life, and it created a lot of friction and tension outside of and in my marriage and my relationships, and it ended up trickling into a lot of other areas of my life. So I had to make some really tough decisions there that I found, okay, I'm living incongruently here in my relationship, and so either we're going to get harmonious or we're going to have to make changes and we had to make changes and we're no longer together. So that was another huge change for me. Yeah, that's a massive change. Yeah. I mean, to change, obviously career change is big. Um, you know, relational change like that when you're married is difficult. I mean, I think you're lucky in, in some sense, you know, to discover that at a young age. I don't know, well, I certainly know from my work that a lot of the men I'm working with in a coaching capacity are discovering this, con this idea much later in their careers. They're discovering like, oh, I've made a whole boatload of money or I'm, I've had this massive career success. I'm feeling unfulfilled or I've, you know, I've got the nice home, I've got the kids, I've got the wife and yet unfulfilled. Um, maybe you can, you could talk a little bit about some of the stuff you're seeing out there. I mean, you do, you do a lot of men's work, you've facilitated groups. What are some of the big storylines you see emerging, especially for men around purpose? Yeah, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I think most people are finding themselves in a situation that they thought they wanted to be in and then they're finding, well, why isn't this leading to lasting happiness or why do I feel you know, not content in my life? I think that's really common. Um, and I think that's because it takes time to create success. Um, I think it takes a lot of hard work to get the things that you think you want. And it all happens on different timelines. I always feel fortunate that mine was kind of compressed. And I think that was really driven by my desire to succeed and to be what I perceived as wealthy at the time. So I got to compress that timeline. But to answer your question more directly, you know, when I'm working with, with guys in particular, I see that most of us have ran down very similar paths. We're doing what we think we're supposed to do, or we're doing what society told us we're supposed to do, or we're doing what our parents wanted us to do. And then we find ourselves in a situation that doesn't bring meaning or lasting satisfaction to our lives. And it's pretty common with guys especially, because I think guys still play the role of wage earner more than not in, in households. And in a city like Vancouver, you know, it's expensive to live. And so we're trading a lot of our time for money. So generally I'm seeing that 
people are using their time in a way that isn't important or meaningful to them to pay their bills. I think that's the overarching theme of what I see. And people want to, especially men, want to use their time in a way that fulfills them and that's meaningful and that lasts or leads to lasting happiness in their life. So it's about more, obviously about more than, than traditional models of success then, because I mean, you and I have both been in men's groups and, and work with men that have had, by many standards, great success, mm-hmm. but yet feel that lack of fulfillment. And, and interestingly, though, I mean, you're, a lot of the work that you're doing is based on ideas from Napoleon Hill. I mean, I, I don't know what, um, uh, what generation sort of he was working with, but I think you mentioned like the 1940s. So these ideas aren't new. The idea that people need to feel fulfilled to... Um, live meaningful lives or maybe vice versa but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting area to dig into like success versus fulfillment yeah yeah there's a traditional view of success and culturally I think North American culture success is viewed as financial success or um business success, so on and so forth. What Napoleon Hill was doing back in the day revolved around a lot of these things, but he actually was studying what he called the most successful people, but his measure of success was very different. He was looking at all aspects of their life, not just one single aspect. And I think what we do today is we latch on to a very single aspect of life and and project success onto that one aspect. Social media is a great catalyst for this in our lives. We look, you know, just as an example, we look at a photo or or someone's feed on Instagram and we must say, oh, they're living this amazing life. They're always traveling and all these beautiful photos and meals out to eat and this and that but it's a, it's a very one-dimensional view of that person's life. And we've done that with success. We've taken a, a very one-dimensional view instead of looking at it holistically. And so, yeah, when I talk about purpose or values or things that I've learned, it's looking at all aspects of life and who we want to be in life and not so much just like what we're doing and where that leads us, if that makes sense. Uh, it, yeah, it does make sense. Maybe you could say a little more about that, that idea of focusing on a way of being as opposed to the doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, culturally, I think we all grew up with this idea of like, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? You know, I heard it so many times and I was always pissed because I never had an answer. Uh, not a good one, at least. <laughs> I want to be a firefighter. Yeah, I had no clue. <laughs> I remember one point I uh, read something or watched on TV about clown college and it was only six months. And so I told my parents, like, I'm going I'm to go to clown college because it's only six months. Uh, you know, that's where my mind was at. But there are some people that always knew, you know, like, I'm going to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer. Um, and they knew what they were going to do. And they're fortunate in my eyes in a lot of ways because they felt compelled to do this. And I I think mainly they want to because they want to help people or they saw their parents helping people in the same way and that inspired them to do that type of work. But most of us don't have that luxury. And so when we talk about purpose, a lot of people think purpose is doing. What am I going to be doing for the entirety of my life? There's going to be this one thing that I'm going to do And that's my purpose. Well, I don't think purpose is like that whatsoever. I really think that purpose is about who we want to be and how we want to show up in our world. So how do I want to show up for the people that are most important to me? How do I want to use my time that leads to meaning and fulfillment? That's what I think of as purpose. And that equates to me being a certain way. So for me, like some of my top values, I mentioned them, loving and harmonious relationships, freedom, perfect health. Um, Those are my top values. And 
each of those values requires me to do certain things each day to be the person that I want to be. And it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's not like I arrive there, I'm perfectly healthy. You know, it's moment by moment. I'm very healthy today, but if I start making decisions that don't uphold that, like eating healthy and stopping exercising and no more meditation and all the things that I know that keep me healthy, you know, I'm going to find myself in a place um, where I'm not being the person that I want to be. So that's why I make the distinction. You know, it's like purpose is about who you want to be and how you want to show up in your life. And there are going to be certain things that you need to do to be that person. Well, and there's no destination though, which is interesting. And I think that's a challenge for, for a lot of men because we're so goal oriented. Sure. So we're looking at it going, hang on a second, purpose no longer has a destination. So how does that fit in? Living with purpose makes goal setting very simple. Living with purpose makes decision making very simple. So when you know what you really value and what your purpose is, who you're gonna be in the world, you can set goals that align with who you want to be and how you want to show up. Um, you can make decisions about new job opportunities or maybe moving to a new home, whatever it is, uh, you can look at your purpose and how you want to be and how you want to live your life and easily assess whether an opportunity or decision is right for you or not. And I ask this a lot when we're in groups, but I ask for like a show of hands. How many people have accomplished a goal and they achieve it, you do a great job, you're like, boom, I made this happen. And then you're let down at the end. You're like, okay, well, why don't I feel good? Why isn't this happiness lasting? It's a very fleeting happiness um, that we get. This is the crux of being versus doing. Goal setting is still very important and goals will lead me to being the person that I want to be. So I'll set a goal maybe around um, a certain amount of money per year or month or quarter that I want to make because it upholds my value of freedom. I don't pretend that money isn't a part of my life or something like that. I, I need a certain amount to pay all of my bills and to take care of things and that's what allows me to be free. Um, so I still set those type of goals but they're leading me toward who and how I want to live my life. Yeah, I mean, that is a, that's a really important distinction though, the being versus doing. And I think this is a, this is a common refrain, particularly for men around accomplishment. And I experienced it almost exactly a year ago. I mean, you know, I did that, you know, crazy fundraiser where I rode my bike up Mount Seymour every single day for a year and I finished it a year ago and I remember I hit my goal I exceeded it around the climbing and my fundraising goal as well to raise money for pancreatic cancer research and I was on top of the mountain literally I was on top of the mountain there were you know a couple of tv cameras I had many of my close friends around and I had accomplished it and immediately my brain was like okay so what's next Yeah. So it's real. It's very real. I mean, that's an intense story about that because the physical labor that you put in and the amount you exerted of your energy for it just to be a, a second, really, you know, like, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the next thing I could do. I'm going to, you know, free climb a tower downtown or I don't Something. know. Something. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the next challenge? And people asked me actually, what are you going to take on next? And that was when I realized uh, nothing. I think I need to, you know, refocus on, on you know, where I'm actually spending my energy, and more importantly, like how I'm how I'm being, because I think it was a classic example. I was really focused on my on on my way of being and the rest of my life, and yet this goal became it became all consuming. It's like okay, I got to get up that mountain every single day on my bike. How am I going to make it happen? And I don't recall ever thinking through, am I enjoying this? Am I finding joy even in the, on the terrible days where it's pouring down rain or below zero? Did, did that goal also lead you to kind of neglecting other parts of your life that were important? Yeah, yeah, in some ways. 
in other ways, it sharpened my focus on them because I had less time. So I knew that I had to inc- improve the quality. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's, I think it's, a, for me, that was a stark realization of the trap that, I, that we can fall into. I think especially, you know, men are prone to it around being so goal focused that we lose sight of the process or the way of being. Um, I'm, you know, I'm also interested now that I'm not riding my bike up the, the side of a mountain every single day. This idea of freedom has become big in my life, and I see it a lot in my clients. But there's this juxtaposition, right? It's like, you know, men are constantly searching for. But to me, freedom means that I get to use my time and energy in a way that I want to use it. That I'm not trading all of my time for money um, or just to pay the bills to survive. And so, you know, having freedom and working really hard and giving up my freedom for a bit to then gain more of it, if that makes sense. I had to work quite hard on my businesses and to get things where they needed to be to provide me with more time, to free up more time allowed me to use my time and energy in a way that was more important to me. So we've talked a bit about going to men's groups and personal development works. Um, When I decided freedom was one of my top values, the why behind that, the emotional factor that made me want to work so hard to get it was that I wanted to understand myself better. I wanted to have time and energy to read and go to these personal development workshops or retreats Um, to share with others, to do things that was inspiring to me. And so I think it actually goes hand in hand in that way. So as you're you're talking about that, you know, it reminded me of this idea that I read about from uh, David Data, who's like a, a spiritual guide for men. And he says one of the first chapters in his book, The Way of the Superior Man, uh, which is a great book and not a uh, misogynist handbook by the way he talks about if he says if you if you don't know your purpose go discover it now which is interesting right it's like oh okay i should go find my purpose but i think that is a very nebulous concept and with the purpose method you know your program i've been through it really loved it and took a lot from it in fact it you know really altered the course of my life how does one go out and discover purpose It's a great question and you know in the David data approach go out and and find it you know like just just look for it it's somewhere within you Uh, what we do isn't isn't like that and finding purpose uh, isn't some mystical experience that you need to do in India in a cave or (laughs) you know something along those lines an ayahuasca ceremony I you know I think everything has its place but um, For me, purpose is quite practical, and the whole idea behind the purpose method was to create a replicable or a repeatable system um, that anyone could do on their own. Uh, And basically what that looks like is being guided through a series of questions and really getting in tune with your imagination. I like to talk about the childlike state of imagination. So all of us had a very, very vivid imagination at one point in time. And the imagination would run wild on all different possibilities of life. And we just be immersed in this reality. And as we get older, the imagination fades and we become more and more practical. And people start telling us, hey, stop daydreaming, get your heads out of the, you know, head out of the clouds, go and do some work. And we become more and more I guess practical would be the word I would use. But what I like to do is get people to turn their imagination back on and just allow it to be free to run wild with any thoughts. And we walk you through a series of questions to help you think about what you want your life to look like and to think about your life um, based on the current path that you're on today and imagine where you're going to end up. And imagine yourself 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Imagine yourself on your your deathbed. You know, is this the life that you want to live? And if not, what's out of alignment? And so 
these questions are just really designed to help create a vision. And generally, each of the questions will have similar themes in the answers. And what we really like to do is tease out the themes. There are gonna be things that we're saying over and over again in different ways. And generally, through teasing out the themes, we could help people to uncover their deepest values. So we've talked a bit about values, but most of us have never spent time consciously assessing our values. The ones we're currently living, maybe unconsciously living, or ever just created like, these are the things that are really important to me because they make me feel good. You know, not because my dad or mom or church or, you know, pop culture, whomever told me these things are good, but because these things actually make me feel good. And so after we assess our values, it's much easier to start determining how we want to show up in our lives and who we want to be. And then we could formulate what we like to call our purpose declaration, which is like, this is the purpose of my life. This is the purpose of my being. This is who I want to be. And generally, I like to talk about the purpose declaration as a, no more than a paragraph, but usually like a few sentences. And it's like your mission, your vision for your life, how you want to use your energy. And then that can guide all the other decisions, goal setting, etc. Your purpose changes over time. How you show up changes over time. Uh, certain experiences you may have in your life impact who you want to be and how you want to show up. So this isn't something that's like set it and forget it. It's one and done. Like this is a constant living, breathing part of you. And so if, if somebody wants to sit down and, you know, discover their purpose now, as David Data says, mm -hmm. um, to go through those questions to really look at those values to create space for your imagination to reignite is this like a you know 10-day trip they have to do is it can you do it in the day like how does it how does it happen what does it look like i recommend really one of two different ways of doing this because one of the keys is is focused attention you can't be distracted with every other you know thing going on in your life when you do this so i don't think it's a mystical experience but i think it can produce mystical results um, so you have to have the spaciousness in your life to do the work and to be honest with yourself so i like to recommend that you know you set aside a specific time where you have nothing else to do you're going to basically turn your phone off turn all distraction off and do the work for that period of time. So it might be an hour at a time, or maybe you can block off a whole weekend. Um, you know, we have run this as a weekend retreat before, which is awesome, to where you're gonna spend, you know, like two days going through everything and knocking, uh, knocking out as much of the course material as you can in that period of time. But I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. It's more about don't be distracted when you're doing it be in an environment that kind of nurtures your creativity and your relaxation, because you don't want to be super stressed out. This isn't another thing to stress you out. This is like <laughs> something to help alleviate the stresses in your life, not to create more. Um, but um, ultimately, finding your purpose, as, uh, as we put it there, can be done lots of different ways, and it's really about finding a time and an area that creates relaxation and supports the work that you're doing and distraction free is a big part of it. Yeah, that, you know, when I went through the process, we did it in a group format. And, you know, I think that to me brought a lot of benefit was getting that, not necessarily feedback, but our like, a reflection from from somebody else, in particular in a group of men, where you know we discovered a lot of us had the same stories we're telling ourselves about what purpose ought to be for a man. But more importantly, it was about getting a mirror to go. Well, actually, I you know I love I love your way of being, but I see this. I actually think that I'm I'm seeing that you really value freedom, for instance. So, what about that whole process of going through it with a group? 
I love the group setting. I mean, I think it's an awesome way to help you discover your purpose, help you to discover how to create more meaning in your life. And the, the term mirror is exactly what I would think about is we're all kind of reflecting images back to one another. And a lot of times we have blind spots. And so when we're in a group environment, um, we may be saying the same thing over and over and over again, but because we're just saying it, we don't realize how often it's coming out of our mouth and someone else can point that out very easily and expose a blind spot that we just didn't see. And I actually have had that happen so many times. And that's what I call teasing out the themes. A lot of times we just can't see the themes in our own words or we can hear the themes in our own words. So writing things down is really important because it will help us to see the themes. But definitely being in a group setting or having other people that we trust to do this type of work with can be extremely helpful. Um, when we do do the, you know, the purpose method, we have a digital version of the course, which is video worksheets and then group coaching calls. And so it doesn't give you the full on group experience, but um, you do have the video group calls and you get to hear what other people are saying and they get to hear what you're saying as well. And that does help to stimulate that type of conversation and support from from others as well. Yeah, I mean, I found it really valuable even doing the video calls. It was it was amazing. And also there was an accountability element. Um, you know, maybe it's it might feel feel weird for a lot of people to be held accountable around their purpose. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, being held accountable around a goal is is straightforward. It's like, well, did you do your 50 push-ups a day or whatever your, your fitness goal was, or did you sure. practice your violin? But what about around purpose? Well, accountability in my mind is necessary in all aspects of of my life you know without accountability most plans just do not make it through to completion and purpose is a big one because it's kind of a larger than life thing and I think when you do choose to be held accountable number one you just want to be sure that you're choosing the right accountability partner and that they understand what this is all about um, but beyond that I think it's very important and very necessary. Um, just having someone who understands you and what you're doing and is like, hey man, you told me you wanted to live this way and now I see you doing this, it doesn't seem to align. And again, it's a blind spot, you know? And sometimes we're so ingrained in our past patterns and our past ways that we just don't see that what we're doing is actually actually um, contradicting what we want in our life. Actually, my very first mastermind when we started to implement purpose for the first time in our lives, one of my friends, he's in real estate, he had a big part of his goal setting part of his purpose around paying off all the debt. And his business had had taken off in the, in the past year and things were going good. And he was like, yeah, we're gonna buy this um, vacation property. We're gonna buy this cabin in the woods. And we're super stoked and you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was listening to him and I'm like, man, it sounds really cool. And it sounds like a beautiful place to be. But I remember going back to your purpose document and your supporting goals that you said like so much of what you wanted right now is to, to get rid of debt and to reduce liabilities so you could have less burden in your life because you felt like that weight was crushing. And, and like in that moment, that was really hard for him to hear because the idea of having the house was so incredible. And then he had to go back and assess with his wife and talk through these things and uh, make a decision based on what was actually best for them and their goals. But it, but it was directly related toward his purpose and who he wanted to be because he felt that the weight of debt was just crushing his life energy. It was all he could think about, right? So I was there to support him and, and vice versa. So accountability is key and sometimes just one other person 
is the perfect accountability matchup. And for a lot of people who might be listening, maybe you're married or you have a life partner or something like that, typically those people can be a great accountability partner. Sometimes not. But if two people share a vision around purpose it's a, and you feel comfortable enough sharing these things, hopefully with this partner, it's a great accountability partnership. But of course, like we mentioned also, having a men's group or a women's group, just depending, uh, it could all be great accountability, but basically, who, who do you know and trust? Yeah, I know that was, I mean, also, I mean, I, we went through it with people I didn't even know at first. I didn't know right. them very well. So it was also a good chance to get some really objective feedback on a person who's you know, getting a fairly um, blunt take on, on your impression, mm-hmm. which was helpful. I'm, I'm interested in, to, I want to dig in a little bit more on this idea of purpose versus work. Okay. There's a couple of things we've talked about, and I think part of the challenge I see is you look out at a lot of the current thinking around purpose, and it's like, well, you know, you've got to quit your job, and you know, you got to move to Mexico, or what, it's like there's, there's this sense that finding your purpose means dispensing with all the things that you have in your life. And I don't believe that's that to be true, but I'm curious what you've seen um, and what you are teaching people around purpose method. Like, is it possible to stay in whatever job it is you may be in doing whatever you're doing and still live a life of purpose? Definitely. Um, yeah, you don't need to, this is, the, Something like the purpose method or finding purpose isn't necessarily going to mean that every aspect of your life has to change. Um, you may see some areas that need cleaning up, but it but it's not uh, going to be this thing that is, for most people, going to shatter every part of their life. Now, in work specifically, a lot of us chose a career path because either we were interested in a subject matter or we had a natural gift or talent toward that subject matter, or it was just a lucrative opportunity. And so when we assess our purpose, again, we're gonna be looking at who do we wanna be in the world? How do we wanna show up? How do we wanna use our energy? How do I want to show up for the people that are most important to me? And what I see a lot is there are so many things that I could be doing that supports who I want to be. And it's all just looking at it in that particular lens. So, for example, I probably could have remained a financial advisor um, and been the person that I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to you know, show up lovingly and harmoniously for all people in my life, all important relationships. So could I do that for my clients? Maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. You know, for me, where my career path changed was I really felt that I was stuck and couldn't live the lifestyle that I wanted. So for me at the time, I was a you know, 25, 26 year old man and I wanted to travel and see more of the world and I really didn't see that being a possibility. So I needed a career change you know, to uphold what I was looking for in my freedom value. But that's not going to be for everyone. And, um, you know, one of the one of the students of the purpose method came through and um, he owns restaurants and he basically had this similar question. He's like, you know, I've created this purpose and I feel like I'm using my energy in a way that's important and I'm, I'm using my energy and creating these amazing dishes as a chef and bringing them out through my restaurants and feeding people and producing these beautiful dishes makes me happy. Like, am I not doing enough? Is this not like on track? And it's, it's like, no, this is exactly it. You're, you're using your time energy in a way that's meaningful to you. You're producing an experience that fulfills you for each person that comes into your restaurants. You're doing a lot for your staff and treating them in a way, you know, to where they're like your family, you know, in his words, not mine. But all of these things were allowing him to be the person that he wanted to be in his current business. So he didn't need to make a whole lot of changes. 
but it also gave him validation that he was like using his time in a way that was meaningful and that he was on track. And, you know, I catch up with him every now and again, and it's continuing to expand. So not only is he still, you know, running his restaurants, but he's Im implementing more and more of who he wants to be into the organization and utilizing his time and energy in a way that supports that through his current business, not creating something different. So you don't have to quit your job to, <laughs> to live on purpose. Most likely <laughs> not. I mean, some people might be, you know, working a job that is completely against what they value. And uh, I think that can be a common thing, but for most people, it's not going to be. Um, I think for most of us, it's going to be more of an energetic shift of consciously choosing to show up in our lives the way that we say we want to. And we can do that through any number of careers or jobs. Uh, I mention this all the time, but like I could be a greeter at Walmart and show up as the person that I want to be. You know, I could be the most loving and harmonious and happy greeter at Walmart that Walmart has ever seen, you know, and I can create fulfillment and meaning through that. Yeah, and that I think is an important takeaway. And the other one that I'm that I heard you talk about is this idea of it being a choice, like moment to moment, day to day, week to week. You have a choice about how you want to be in the world, and that is a lot about discovering your purpose. But being even being aware that there is a choice requires a certain level of of consciousness or mindfulness. And so, how how do you get someone? To a place where they even recognize that they have a choice or that they become conscious as it were or mindful yeah this is a tough one for sure especially depending on age so i think our parents generation we're both mid-30s right i think our parents generation they see a lot less of a choice in their lives and based on their parents their parents had even less of a choice um, because basically it was like we're working very very hard to have the bare minimum to just get by to survive so there didn't seem to be much of a choice and I think that hard working mentality was just ingrained in them and also religious beliefs are ingrained in a lot of people like this isn't a choice this is the way it is um, so it can be harder to see that you have a choice but generally it's like the pain has to be great enough to choose different there has to be something that we've come up against time and time and time again i think one of the interesting things that you do is you induce that pain without making people experience rock bottom. So I think the question about, so if you carry out your current projection for 30, 40 years, where do you end up? I think that induces almost like a, it's like, oh, there's future pain potential here. Mm -hmm. That to me is a form of helping someone hit rock bottom without actually them having to experience it. Now there's, you know, cause I think not everyone should feel like the need to, to literally experience rock bottom just to discover their purpose. Agreed. Agreed. And that's, I mean, that's a big part of why I feel called to do this work. You know, when I discovered purpose and values and after the first year of living it, saw how much had changed in my life, I knew that going forward, this would be a part of my life's work and the things that I did day in and day out. I never really realized that I would create a specific course around this uh, like I didn't have this crystal ball vision but I knew that working with people in this way was going to be a part of what I was going to do and how I wanted to use my energy and this is one of the things actually one of the questions is a part of the purpose method but I asked people to think about what have you always been good at what is one of your core gifts or what are your core gifts and um, it might be hard to think about this or remember, but I like to try to get people to remember back again when they were kids. Like, what did people tell you you were naturally good at? Um, and I always go into my story, which is, again, 
I remember in, in grade school, elementary school, when group projects started being a thing, you'd, you'd be assigned a group and you'd have to basically delegate and see who the group leader was going to be and so on and so forth. And I always got selected to be the group leader. And I didn't understand it at all then, of course. But uh, now, looking back, I realized that I was always in tune with what people were feeling. Like I could almost see their emotions through their expressions and their language, which made me a decent leader. Because I'd say, okay, we have all these things that we need to do to complete the project. And it sounds like you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this. And I was easily able to manage the project and delegate and keep everyone relatively happy. So I knew like, okay, that was one of my core gifts. That was one of the things that just happens to be natural for me. And that's a part of the work that I do today, you know, but I didn't know that it was all unconscious. And that's where I like answering these questions and really diving in is, is going to help us to uncover what we're naturally good at and help us to understand how we want to use our energy. Yeah, that's really profound. I mean, you, you were one of the ones that pushed me to kind of think through what that story was or what the, what are you good at? And that's one of the reasons that I'm doing the work I do now, which is coaching is even when I, you know, I played a lot of sports as a kid, I was actually never that good. I was usually like the last person to make it. So I made like I made all the teams, but I was like the last pick. And part of it was you know, the coaches would be like, you know, you really inspired this team on. You don't do a lot on the basketball court or the soccer field or whatever, but you, you know, you really are an inspiration for the team. And then I remember, in, I think it was grade 10, when my coach started to call me coach on the basketball team. And same thing with soccer team. I hardly played. And my parents were always mad. They're like, we went to the game, you didn't play. And I was like, yeah, I don't really do that very much. But it was the coaching piece. They kept saying, like, you're basically the coach on the bench or the coach on the side of the field. And they weren't just saying it to placate me. You know, right. they, I'd earned my spot. But it's an interesting realization. Now, I spend a number of years coaching um, other sports teams, coaching rowing, things like that. I still um, do some sports coaching as well. But that was the thing. It's like, oh, you're really good at this. So why not actually do it? It's one of the gifts you were given. It's a part of your DNA. Yeah. And that, that was with me. I didn't know where it came from either. You know, it was just like ingrained in me. And I would say I was very similar. Like I was okay at a lot of things, but I was never the sports star. You know, <laughs> it just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. Yeah. You had to put, I had to put a lot of hustle in to make it. Just yeah. <laughs> it's like hustle, hustle and sure. inspire. Um, Maybe that's a, a good spot for us to close the loop on, though. So if you, you know, if you had some, some guidance or some coaching that you could offer for men out there who are looking at their lives and wondering about purpose, what are some of the first things or first questions they could start to ask themselves or first things they could do to get them closer to their purpose? Yeah, number one is... Be really honest with yourself. So all of this and everything we're talking about today is a waste of time if we're lying to ourselves and to other people. So getting really honest and truthful is a huge step. And then assessing our lives and taking a look at how we're showing up day in and day out and which parts of our lives bring us joy and which parts of our lives just seem to be a drain of energy or a drag. And by taking an inventory, we could start to get a better understanding of ourselves and what it is that we value. Um, through that, when we start to understand what we value, then we're going to have a much better idea of how to do things that allow us to utilize our truths, our values on a more consistent basis, which will lead to more happiness, definitely. Um, of course, we at the Purpose Method have like a whole series of questions and exercises and things to trigger all of these things, but just to get going, that's where I would start. It's just like have a hour 
sit down with yourself and just free flow journal all the different parts of your life and just let it all come out and see what brings you joy and see what causes you pain and start assessing from there. Um, I think also journaling in general is a great way to uh, get a better understanding of the inner workings of our mind and just getting thoughts out of our heads and onto paper. Um, sometimes we let things consume us because we're just constantly thinking about them. So sometimes I like to just journal them out and be like, okay, those thoughts are here in this journal. If I ever need them, I could come back and find them, but I'm going to let them rest here. So that's another just easy practice, good thing to do to start uncovering parts of ourselves that maybe we've been ignoring. That is um, super helpful, super insightful. You know, I know that your process has made a massive difference in my life. It's one of the reasons that we're sitting here, you know, having this conversation today on the podcast. And so I'll definitely link up the purpose method in the show notes. And um, I'll close just by saying thank you for being a guest on the cast and for sharing your wisdom with um, my audience. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's fun to be here. And uh, anyone wants to chat purpose, you know, I'm happy to help any way that I can. All right, everyone. That is a wrap on the Men at Work podcast, episode number five with Mike Mascari. What a great conversation about purpose. Wherever you're at in your life, there's always room to rediscover and to redefine what your purpose is. And I trust this cast gave you some good wisdom on that. For the men out there, I hope this helps you to see the importance of having a purpose connected to all of your tasks and duties. If you like this cast, please give us a like on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever else you might listen. And stay tuned for episode six coming at you next week. Thank you.